Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerbison, joined with Reed Bacon. It's a bye week, so we got some other things to talk about. Harrison Bailey transferring. Our thoughts, what's going on, how we feel at this point in the season, eight games in, about Josh Heupel and this team. What do we see versus Kentucky in in a week and and how we're going to compete versus them? And then I share a nice juicy story about um, a warranted fight in the locker room while I was at Tennessee. So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, let's get this thing started. By the game. Snap. The kick is in the air. And the kick this time is no, sir, Reed. No, sir, Reed. Final score. Tennessee 20, Florida 17. Pandemonium reigns. Loads up. Fires long for the end zone. The pass is going to be caught by Tennessee. Tennessee wins! by Tennessee to one. Jennings. Jennings makes the catch in the end zone on the Hail Mary. Down at the 35, to the 40, to the 45, to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. What did he do? All he did was score. Joey Pence. Touchdown on play number one. So, before we get into the show, got to shout out our number one sponsor, betonline.ag. They're the best place to go if you're betting on anything. Football season in full swing right now, college and NFL. We got basketball starting up. Um, You got baseball getting into the playoffs. We're now into the World Series. So, anything you need to bet on, BetOnline has it. All the odds, all the stats, all the news that you could think of. So, it... If you're going to make a thing more exciting, like a like a game, bet online is where you need to go. So if you go to their updated website or use your mobile device to sign up, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus when you use the code BELIEVE50. So remember, BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive that 50% welcome bonus and just have some more fun when you're watching these games. BetOnline.ag. All right. Welcome in, everyone. Um, I'm sure you can tell I'm in a different place right now. For those watching on video, on audio, it's all the same. Uh, Actually, at my mother-in-law's. I have a wedding here in Knoxville, but we still couldn't do it in person. But, Reed, how are we doing, bud? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, we wanted to make it happen to do it in person. I really... I love doing it in person. I still think we're better when we're – well, I guess it doesn't matter if we're in person or not, but, like, if I can look at you like this. So, maybe that'll be <laughs> we, next we time. We need to sit across from each <laughs> yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. We could have the, the camera from the side. We're just literally sitting across from each other like a dinner date. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That would be very yeah. funny. And we, yeah, we do need to do that. Yes, I wanted to come down there. We are recording on Friday. I, uh, I'm off work today. I had to run some errands and – take my mom to some of her doctor's appointments and do stuff like that. You actually got to spend some time with your mom, you know, being back in town. 
Yeah. So we, we, had, um, we, it's, we it's, spent it's, some time with our always, mom. You know, that I get to come back in town. So I went and uh, took her some lunch, got to spend some time with her. Uh, she got to show me off to all of her coworkers, which she loves to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of been nice just taking, taking today off, but that was a good, it's good that you said that we're recording Friday. Cause I'm sure some people are, Hey, what about an update on, you know, the week, the weekend of games this past weekend, we're doing this before the weekend. So, um, some of the stuff won't pertain to those games, but still, yeah. Awesome facts, awesome stories, just an awesome podcast nonetheless. And awesome mama time. We love our mamas. Love the mamas. Uh, okay. So today we're going to talk about uh, that I entered the transfer portal and I'm transferring to another podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we're, we're, uh, we're talking about Harrison Bailey obviously entering the transfer portal. Uh, we're just going to hit that kind of quick. Uh, then we're going to look at where we are as a team. I mean, we're more than halfway through. We got four games remaining. How do we feel compared to when I was sitting in West Knoxville at my other home before I sold it and you were sitting in Nashville and we have no idea what to expect? I mean, I I'm envisioned I say that because I'm envisioning that. Like I remember sitting at that desk and thinking these things and thinking about what we saw. And I think I think people have to remember that uh, just a few short months ago, we had different expectations of things. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And then we want to bring back the Big Orange Juice. Uh, we'll, we'll do it this week. So the Big Orange Juice for our new listeners is just um, a juicy story from Kyler's playing days, from his recruiting days. Um, and then I have some from whether when I played or some of the people that we grew up with and, you know, their boosters and the stuff we hear about and stuff. So we did those very early on, and they were a good success for the few listeners we had. Uh, but we want to bring them back, so that's kind of that's kind of what we're going to do today. Yeah, I mean, back in the back in the day when we first started telling the the big orange juice stories, we had you know maybe a hundred people watching and listening, like combined. So not everybody got to hear those stories. So we might repeat a few for those uh, long time listeners, um, but they're so good that it's it's worth it for sure. Um, I love that you just did the little recap of the pod because I think that's the first time you've ever done that. It's usually me saying like, hey, this is what we're going to talk about. So that was nice being on the other side of it. Well, I kind of forgot to say we, we, we are going to talk a little bit briefly about Kentucky. Yeah. So, of course. Um, anyways, do you want to start with uh, your thoughts on Harrison Bailey? Yeah. Um, so my thought process on Harrison Bailey, it does – suck that he's transferring I think I think that with the new rules the biggest issue that teams are going to have is to have a backup to come in after you lose a very good player like after you know Hendon leaves you know say he comes back next year but then leaves goes to the draft we're going to have a spot open we're going to need somebody to step in and that really is not going to be an easy task at all now that Harrison Bailey is entering the transfer portal. And it makes me wonder if like this will affect those other teams like uh, Alabama, who their whole thing is that they have five stars in waiting. They've got five stars sitting on the bench in the meeting rooms, but not playing that are just waiting their turn, know that they're going to play two years, but don't transfer. So 
I'm wondering if this transfer rule will affect that. Anyways, back to Harrison. I'm happy for him. This is not like the Henry Totoa situation where you just kind of feel like you got left. Harrison Bailey is a good player. He's going to do good things wherever he goes. I don't think he'll be a Heisman contender guy. Like, I don't see him as just like a next generational talent like the quarterbacks we've seen win the Heisman in the past. But, I, I, I mean, I think he'll have okay success. I think, you know, he could be a late-round draft quarterback in the, in the NFL. And I just don't see him as, like, this huge thing. And, and with w- where we're at, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit, I'm happy that Hendon Hooker is our starter and not Harrison Bailey. Because if you go back, right, we're going to do some – some reminiscing in the spring and in the summer, everybody wanted Harrison Bailey to start. And they had just seen a few things of him, knew that he was a good recruit coming out of high school and was like, hey, why isn't this guy starting? Hendon barely won any games at Virginia Tech. Joe Milton was turnover prone at Michigan. Maurer hasn't really shown any, you know, upside. So Bailey should start for sure. And now I'm just so happy that, we got a quarterback guru in a sense like Josh Heupel and he found the correct quarterback for us to play, which is Hinton Hooker and Harrison Bailey sees the writing on the wall. He doesn't want to waste so much time on the bench. He wants to start as soon as possible. So I understand. And now that the rules are the way they are, he can do that. And there's no repercussions. If this was three, four years ago, he would not be transferring. Does it bother you as a former player that he's leaving in the middle of the season? Like, if you were on that team, would you be like, hey, man, like, can't you just wait, like, another month? I think it's I think it's dumb um, on his part because versus South Alabama versus Vandy, he might actually have gotten to play. And, you know, if we're killing him, get in the game. But – uh, when I was there, I was not very much concerned with the third string quarterback. I'm just letting you know, like whoever was a third string quarterback while I was there in no way was I like, Hey man, don't, don't leave. Don't like, I liked Riley Ferguson a lot. I thought he was a really cool dude, but when he left, I wasn't like, Oh, you're letting the team down. I'm like, okay, dude, like you're not starting. You're not going to play this year. You probably won't start later because Josh Dobbs is better than you. So, yeah, go – hey, go try and find what you're looking for somewhere else. Like, more power to you. I mean, I think that's just how it is. Like, if it's a starter, like I said in the beginning, Henry Toto, and just leaves, that's where it's like, wow, you're a real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Um, I got a lot of a lot of thoughts on this. I want to start with – uh, a local radio host, old Eric Ainge here. Um, and I, I do like some of the guys over there at the sports am. I, I really like listening to Josh Ward. I, I like Will West. Um, I liked, I used to like when they were together. I like some of these young bucks. I know you were on Eric Kane's thing, but I think like him and Josh Silverberg and Logan Ward, some of these young guys, like I do like listening to them. Yeah. I, I get very frustrated with Ainge. I wasn't a big fan of his when he was a player. But something that he says, and, and the reason I'm bringing him up is because as a former player, and he's been around here a while, he has a decent following, 
he has a radio show. It's like he made a comment that I thought was just so ignorant and just dumb. And like, I would love to have him on sometime or press him on it. But he made a comment. And the only reason I heard this because the only time I'm listening to them is driving to work or and going to lunch. But he goes, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think we have a better chance of beating like, you know, a Vanderbilt or South Alabama or Kentucky. I think he even said Kentucky with instead of having Harrison Bailey at quarterback, having Jabari Small and Tyon Evans running the Wildcat like Kentucky did to us in 2011. And I was like, bro, that is literally one of the dumbest comments I have ever heard, ever. That like, is so stupid, especially coming from a quarterback. Quarterback, correct, correct. And, and he wasn't like a joke, bro. Like, he literally said it and then kind of doubled down on I'm like, why does he put stuff like that on the airways? And, like, I'm not – like, I don't think he's like a Skip Bayless who just says stuff for reaction. He doesn't come across that way at all. I think he actually believes some stuff sometimes. But we both kind of know dude's just kind of a goofball. Like, he's kind of a clown. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, attack him personally, but just – kind of how he acts and some of the stuff he says and stuff. But, like, to say that is so dumb. Like, that that's not true at, at all. Like, that's really, really attacking attacking Harrison Bailey, like, just to say that. Like, Kentucky, if they knew all we were doing was running, they would eat us alive. Like, yeah, they're, would, they're, they're, one of, they're one of the better defenses in the correct. nation. Like, they, so that, they – I mean, they held Florida to 13 points. Right. And so then – I'm listening to it today. I was driving my mom to one of her appointments and he's on there today. And he's like, you know what I would, t-? and I get it. He's probably, he even talks about, it. he's like, I'm frustrated. I want to hear all these Harrison Bailey, like, da, 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 da. like, and nothing. He said he was the four string quarterback. I was like, mom, I'm pretty sure it's, I don't, I don't know a walk on that took a spot like Harrison Bailey or Brian Mauer has been gone. And so, and he goes, if I was, if I was Harrison Bailey, I would tell him like, don't be the nice guy. Don't show up late. I mean, don't show up early with your shirt tucked in and, and be, like, just a, just a guy, like, the nice guy. Like, don't be who you are. Like, be different. Like, you know, he's like, one thing that Brian Maurer, people attracted him was he had that moxie and he had that team and, and guys liked him and gravitated toward him. I'm like, bro, you have no idea if people gravitate towards Harrison Bailey at all. I think he's very liked on the team based on what these guys have come out and said on Instagram and, and uh, Twitter and stuff like that. And one thing that I completely disagree with, like, I do get kind of what he means. Like, you have to stand out and show these coaches that, like, you want to lead this team and take team. I get that. But that doesn't always work. Brian Maurer tried his hardest to do that. And dude was going to be four string, and he's not with us. And then the other thing is, like, don't change who you are. Like, you can be a leader, and you don't have to be a big rah-rah team guy. Like, he Eric Ames should know this. Like, he's been around sports long enough. If you just go ball, people are going to follow you. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? So those are just two really dumb comments. And, like, I would never – I hope he's not in a position to talk to Harrison Bailey to tell him that because, like, Harrison just needs to be who he is, work hard, and, and don't try to fake and be someone else because that's one thing that no one likes is if we know you're fake and not really who – like, nobody likes you. Nobody's going to respect that. You, you don't need to be, like, I don't know, like a bad boy as if Eric is right. just, like, trying to put that across to – have leadership you just need to have confidence in yourself and yes. like walk around with your chin up you know don't look down at the ground there's a lot of, like you you will tell a difference in a man when he walks into the room his eyes are up and he's making eye contact with people or if he walks in his eyes are down he's looking at the ground he doesn't want to look at anybody you can say 
one is confident and one isn't. One is confident enough right. for himself to look everybody in the eye and not be nervous, and the other one's not. So if a quarterback can do that, everyone on the team is automatically like, okay, like this guy is very confident in himself. I'm going to be confident in him also. And you said, like, I think he's very liked, like people shouting him out on, on social media. One of the biggest things that tells me you're a good person is when someone who you don't have to be nice to, you're nice to. So we have uh, um, a guy who went to Catholic. He's quite years younger than us, Adam Margolis. Shout out, Adam. He's an equipment manager at Tennessee now. He's He was around the same age as my younger brother, so I knew him um, when I was helping Catholic out, met him uh, when I was working at D1, helped him work out, all that kind of stuff. And he's equipment manager there. And he put on his story like, Hey, best of luck, Harrison, you know, you know, wish you the best wherever you go. And it's like, Harrison was nice enough to just an equipment guy, just a random equipment guy was just like a good guy to him and just nice. And it just shows me like, okay, Harrison Bailey has a high character because there is no reason for him to be nice to equipment guys. But I've seen guys come through Tennessee when I was playing. I've heard stories from the equipment guys, from people in the past where it's like, that was the worst. That guy was the worst. He all he wanted was gear and gear and gear. And he was, you know, never nice to us. He's always complaining and always asking for extra gloves and extra socks and everything. And it, it's it's real. He was just, a, he, he was just a real. He was just a real Mick McAss, aka a real uh, Greg <laughs> McMacaroy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, but I just uh, and I agree with you completely. Like. And I'm happy you shot out, or gave a shout out to Adam. I had never really met him, but we when we went to practice both times, dude was a nice guy. I enjoyed talking with him. Um, but you're you're right, like, and I just think it's so, and I just it really frustrates me, like I said, because of the people that are going to hear Eric say that, and I hope they're smart enough to understand, like, that's just in my opinion, this is dumb and a bad take. Obviously, you agree with me, and it's like you don't have to be different, like. Harrison could have easily won the job and still been himself, but like he wasn't good enough this year. Like he wasn't good enough. Like that's okay. Whether you're like you said, a bad boy or uh, you know, a loose cannon or whether you're a good guy, like all that stuff doesn't matter in sports. That's one of the great things about sports. Like it doesn't matter if you're, you know, private school, come over, you know, church going boys is people want to call us or you went to a private school and grew up on a farm and, had a, you know, it's just like it's all equal in between the lines. And so I didn't like you said that. Now, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll admit that I was wrong. I just said this uh, like two or three or four nights ago. We were talking about Harrison Bailey. And I said, you guys, I said, I really don't think he's going to transfer because he's, he's kind of waited out this long. And I know everyone would be like, oh, you're an idiot. Like, we all knew the writing on the wall. Like, blah, blah, blah. But like, I was like, he did seem kind of different through his social media posts. And the guys liked him and that. He was a team guy and stuff like that. And I'm just thinking, like, you know, he knows that, like, you know, hey, if and this is – I will admit, I thought Hendon was done after this year. I did not think he had another eligibility. I will be honest. I get confused with who we lose next year and who we don't lose. I just um, always saw it as, every, like, last year didn't count for anybody. So, technically, everyone had an extra year. That's what I know, the thought but when process you, was. I know, but when you go and look on the UT thing, it says I'm pretty sure it says Hendon Hooker's like a redshirt senior or he's a senior. I so I, I don't know, 
but anyways, I thought Hendon was gone after this year. So I was like, well, yeah, Harrison Bailey has been here two years already, but he'll go into his third year, technically his second because of COVID year. And he thinks, and, and he'll say, all right, let me compete with Joe Milton and, you know, Tavon Jackson and whoever else may transfer and Joe Milton. That's the thing about all this. Like these rooms are going to change dramatically, especially quarterback rooms because people need to go and play. Um, so if they want to make it to the NFL, so they're always going to be changing. But for some reason, I really thought that he would probably stay at least one more spring and fall and try yeah. to win the job. And if he didn't win it, then maybe leave. Um, I mean, he could de- he could definitely compete with Joe and take that spot from him. Yes, with what I've, we've seen out of Joe, and yeah. if like if Hendon keeps playing the way he does, like he's like on the Davey O'Brien Award watch list because he's really having a very good year as a quarterback. Right. So it's like maybe he does want to leave and get drafted second round. Or third round. Can you, or and, and, and seriously, and can you imagine if he leaves this year? How I mean, it's going to be – I mean, I'll be happy for him, but it'll be such a bummer for all of Tennessee. Like, yeah. it'd be a big bummer. But well, technically, Harrison hasn't gone anywhere, so he could true. stay. True, true. But uh, that's why, you, like you said before, it was it's probably a better idea if he waits to the end of the year. Well, and so that – Talk to him and be like, hey, dude, are you going to the draft? Because if you are, I'm going to stay. Well, and the other thing is, too, and there's other stuff that we – none of us – well – most of us don't know. I, I mean, I'm not going to say that all media or people don't have ends to figure out some of the behind the scenes, but we don't know what it's going on between the coaches and Harrison Bailey and, and different stuff and maybe a vibe that he's getting that, like, you know, players all think differently. They, he might think, like, I didn't get a legit shot or I'm just not Heifel's guy or, or whatever the case may be. We, we don't know those things, but I personally, without knowing all the everything about it, uh, which is so weird about doing what we do. We're making comments on stuff that we ultimately don't know. Like I don't, I'm not sitting in front of Harris Bailey, like knowing everything, thinking about. But from the outside looking in, I probably would have stayed another month just to get the more reps to finish it out with my team. Like I, I mean, Brian Mauer's been gone since fall. He ain't playing ball anywhere. Like he's on the couch watching the game like the rest of us. So like it didn't help him. Like stay, get your practice reps. Be around Heifel, learn, see what you can learn. Maybe if an injury or two does happen, because Hendon could easily get Hendon and Joe could easily go down like that. Sports are crazy, bro. Like it could easily, easily happen. And then it is Harrison Bailey's time to shine. And maybe he does really well. And then the whole thing changes. But I just that's the only thing about it. Like, I hope the best for the kid. And I I'm fine with him transferring. I personally just would have waited one more month. I don't, I don't think it's gonna make that big of a difference of where he goes leaving yeah. now compared to November. Because I'm truly wondering if they're – like, obviously we're not in a situation, and I don't know all the rules of the transfer portal, but, like, when teams can start talking to you is, like, when you put your name in or, like, what the actual rules of it are. But my thought process is, like, every team that you might want to go to, they're playing games. They're in the season. Like, coaches are – really worried about who they're playing on Saturday and not necessarily as much as recruiting. So it's, I mean, I I just don't see like, Oh, thank God you put it in now. So now I can talk to you a month before, you you know, it just doesn't. I'll say, I will say, I will say two last things on this. Uh, I do agree with you. I think he'll go somewhere and be fine and play pretty well. Like I don't see him being, you know, some superstar or whatever. And I do, uh, I think he'll be a good college quarterback, you know. But I did hear people arguing like, well, how can we trust 
uh, Josh Heupel because he started Joe Milton. He didn't even start in an hooker. And, you know, so how do we know we can trust him that Harrison Bailey's not a better player or a gamer? Well, first off, let me, let me answer this. We went to practice. We saw what Coach Heupel and the rest of the player or what the rest of the coaches were saying. It was very clear that, that, that Joe was the best, the best option and coming out of practice. He just was like, there were game, there were times when we were practicing. Hendon was airmailing balls, you know, not doing anything, anything special or whatever. That's why I was like, I, you know, I don't know who it is, but where Josh is good at what he does is he came in and had four pieces. And it, we didn't know which one of the four, but that man's up for the Davey O'Brien. He's got the third highest passer efficiency. He's playing really well. That's what I, it had no, it, it didn't matter who it was, honestly, to me. It could have been Joe Milton, Hendon Hooker, freaking Caton Salter, Brian Maurer, Harris Bailey. I didn't care who it was. I just wanted to make sure that we're sitting here now in basically November and we had a good productive quarterback, and we do. So that's yeah. what I'm going to trust him about. Yeah, okay? was, we all talk, we talked about it the whole time, like more quarterbacks, more competition, better quarterback. Right. Like, it's yeah. going to create a better quarterback with more guys in. People were worried about that. And then, dude, with – the last coach we had, Jeremy Pruitt, who just like literally couldn't make a decision and just kept JG in no matter what. Like this is like the biggest breath of fresh air that Hypo was like, you know what? He's staying. Like he's our starter now. Sorry, Joe. Like that's what happens in football. You know, like well, you lost I also, your spot. I also am happy. Like I never, ever, ever will be a fan of a coach or coaches that make people, you know, do this. And if you're watching on YouTube, I just looked over my shoulder. You can't play sports when you're looking over your shoulder. But they gave Joe, they gave Joe the chance in, in Bowling Green. And they gave him a little bit in Pitt. And then I, I guess he got injured. I don't know if that was just a way to like pull him and not make him or whatever. But then there are practice reps. Like he had his opportunity. They gave uh, Hendon a chance and Hendon won the job. Like that's just sports. So like I agree with you that. He wasn't a Joe or he wasn't a Jeremy Pruitt and just, oh, well, Joe's my guy, so I'm just going to ride with him no matter what. Like, he knows his job here is to win ball games. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyways, like – oh, and the last thing, this is funny. When uh, <laughs> I will say that one uh, individual in the scouting department of a college team, you guys could probably put together who I'm talking about, but when Brian Maurer transferred, he called me and we were talking about it. He goes – I can promise you this. He goes, our head coach is waiting for the day that Harrison Bailey leaves. Cause that, and I was, and I started joking. I said, Oh, you don't want Brian Maurer? He's like, hell no, we don't want that head case like at our team or whatever. And, uh, and I'm not talking bad about Brian Maurer. I'm just, you know, saying what they say. Like, I hope the best for him too and, and think that he can be good somewhere. Uh, but they're like, no, we don't, we don't want him. But he goes, I will say if Harrison Bailey's on the market, he goes, I know us and a lot of other teams will be calling his phone. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I thought that's funny, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, okay. We are seven games in, I guess, or whatever. Eight, um, eight games in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so how do you feel about everything right now? I feel great. I, I mean, I feel absolutely amazing compared to what we thought at the beginning. Of the, dude, compared to how we felt after that spring practice – I like was so worried. I mean, we said after that spring practice, like, Hey, you're going to have to give this guy a few years, like three, four years to really just 
get everything in a position because he just doesn't have guys out there. Like literally just doesn't have anybody. And we thought the defense was going to be horrible. Uh, we didn't really see how, uh, you know, productive the offense was going to be. We knew it was going to be fast, but we didn't, I guess we didn't see it as like explosive and we're going to have good playmakers. We just saw it as like, Hey, Heupel's going to scheme around this. And I've been v- pleasantly surprised in both sides of the ball in their production. I mean, we lead the freaking country in tackles for loss. Like in no way, shape or form did I think that was going to happen at all. So I'm absolutely loving it. I mean, before the season started, I said we'd win five games and we have four already. You know, I thought it would be like, um, you know, we're squeaking out maybe a win versus a South Carolina or Missouri um, or Kentucky, something like that. But I mean, we're one score away from beating Pitt. We're one score away from, you know, beating Ole Miss. He has really surprised me, and I am so happy that Josh Heupel is our coach and happy that Danny White didn't let the, oh, well, he's just hiring the same guy he hired before defer like deter him away from hiring Josh Heupel that it was like oh well it's you know he didn't really try or didn't really go out and look at anybody like he hired Josh Heupel because he hired him before and when he hired him before he was like this guy's a good coach so he is a good coach he's been proven that I don't want our hopes to get super high and then when we don't win nine games next year everyone say fire him that's not what I want. I, I I want people's hopes to be high and know that, you know, trust the process going on. But he's still at a very big deficit at this moment. Like, he really still is. Like, these, like a, a lot of the players that are playing would not start at other teams. So, that's what you just have to remember. Um, so, I, I am very, very happy – I love where we're at. I really wish we could have that pit game back because I think if Hendon starts the whole time, we win that game. Um, and I wish we played Pitt later in the season. I think we have been getting better and better. Pitt's a hey, Pitt's still a good team. They beat Clemson last week. Like they, they're still a very good team. Kenny Pickett is still a very good quarterback. He's in the Heisman conversation. But I I would feel more confident we play them later in the year, which is why I feel great about the Kentucky and the Georgia games being later in the year. Like, dude, if we played Florida later in the year, our, this, you know, lopsided record, it would not be the same. We're always better in the second half of the year. And I feel like third game, first SEC game, it's just, I don't know, something that guys aren't ready for, I guess. Um, I, I completely agree. I am so happy, so, so happy, so pumped for the future, so just relieved Um, because when you do go – I mean, we got to a point as UT fans where we almost got more enjoyment out of coaching hires in that whole process because it was so exciting. We're like, oh, my gosh, like it's like the NFL draft. Like, oh, who's our new toy going to be? And then it was like right when they got here, we're like, whether you like them or not, we're like, 
all right, yeah, we maybe feel about that. And then, you know, we're all great fans of Tennessee. So the guy puts out like one fired up, you know, like one pump up video. And we're like, yeah, we love them. <laughs> but, and then, and then right when they lose, we're like, oh, screw it. You know, we want that excitement of who our next coach is going to be. Um, but that's why I'm relieved because I'm like, wow, like you guys know how I feel about him. I'm like, I, we have a coach, we have an advantage on the sideline. Like, this is awesome. And when, when he hired him, you know, I remember when all that talk was going on, like who the, who the head coach was going to be. And I was never going to be happy with uh, that Elliott guy, the offensive coordinator at Clemson. I did not want another guy who had not been a head coach. Um, and that guy, you know, supposedly turned us down. Like, okay, sweet, dude. Like, we don't want you here anyways. Like, you had an opportunity to be – I get it. We're not in a, in a good spot, but you had a hell of an opportunity to be the head football coach of the University of Tennessee. Like, I don't care how bad we are. It's still a good job. It's now a tough he job. Now he doesn't look as good. I mean, their no, offense has been dog doo-doo. Right. And, 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 and that was my point to it. Like, I could go call games. Like, you could go call, go, go call games. Half of these listeners could go call games with the talent that Clemson had. I'm not being sarcastic. Like, let us go learn. Let us go kind of talk, figure out what they want to do. Let me learn the playbook. And I'm very confident I can call a game with those the especially, athletes had. Especially versus the inferior opponents in the ACC. Correct. So I didn't. So that's where I was like, man, I don't know who we're going to get. Like, if it wasn't like James Franklin, like, and I, I – had my doubts. I heard that. And people were like, oh, yeah, it's going to happen. I was like, dude, I'm not going to let myself get excited. It's not going to happen. He would not leave, you know, to come here. And if he did, you know, I'll believe when I see it. And then I would have probably, like, pooped my pants because I would have been, you know, so excited because I do think he's such a good coach. And I thought he was just using us for a raise. Um, and I'm trying to think of some of these other names that were coming up. But when it finally came down to the fact that he did go ahead and hire uh, Coach Heupel, I was like, you know what? I was like, I looked into it. I was like, he's a head coach. He's an offensive guy. That's where college football is going. Like, he's done pretty well. I know people are saying he's not a big-time recruiter. And I've like I always said, like, I'm not worried if you're not a big-time recruiter if you just, you know, because UT recruits itself. Like, to be a big-time recruiter at UT, just don't be lazy and don't be a shithead. Like, those are the two things. Like, yeah. you know, it, and so, like, when I really started looking at it, I was like, all right, like, I'm fired up. Like, I'm excited. Like, let's give this guy a chance. Like, let's see what he does. And so now that we're here, like, I'm so happy. Like, I'll, I'll say at a one out of 100, I am like a 95. And the only reason I'm not saying 100 is because it would have been amazing if we did somehow pull off the pit game, and I'm saying that hindsight 2020, because I would have not have said that before the game. I'm saying that now that I saw how we played and how good Pitt is. So if we could have somehow pulled that game out or if we lose that one but somehow beat Ole Miss, then I'm at like 100 and a, a million, uh, you know, over. So, but yes, and I think we do have a different perspective than others because we saw what we saw at spring practice, which I we probably shouldn't take too much of that because guys were out with injuries. We knew there was going to be transfer portal guys. But we still got to go and see what we saw at, at, at uh, fall camp, which was a whole different-looking team, and we still had our worries. So the fact that we competed with Pitt the way we did and had a chance, and I do agree with you that if Hendon – I think everyone says if Hendon started that entire game, we win the game. Okay, 
Then we go to Florida, and we all know what happens with Florida, but how we competed against them and how it felt different. Okay, and then that's a very pivotal point for me personally. I'm going into uh, Missouri and South Carolina, and just like I told you, I was sitting at my house at that at that desk arguing with you what we were going to go, and I'm like, man, I'm nervous about Missouri. I'm nervous about South Carolina. Like, those are games we're going to have to win. And what does he do? He shows up and runs them out the stadium. Missouri was like, only a th- it was only a three point game like it was only considered a three no they point were game. they were favored not yeah, us they three. were favored yeah, right like it was so we weren't supposed to win the game and it was like yo he just showed up and made an absolute mockery of them so like when we're down here and we're at the bottom of the tier of the SEC and and we don't have a close game with them and we handle business like we're supposed to handle business. That says all the volumes and 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 all the pub about him I need to. So that's why I love him. Now I have some buddies that and, and so I, I bring them up because that's who the fans I hear. And then if I hear them when they message us or on radio, I get it. And you made a comment about this. When players play up to a certain standard, they start playing better, you start holding them to that standard. Now that now that Heifel has shown that he can compete with this ragtag bunch, which we do still have some pretty good talent over there. We just don't have the depth. I, I don't want to knock some of these guys. Some of these guys are good players. Yeah. Um, but now people are like, I got buddies legitimately text me like, yo, Kentucky is a must win. If he doesn't beat Kentucky, he's not the guy. Like, and I don't know if – and I, I swear to you, I'm like, I think they're sometimes they're trolling and sometimes I think they're serious, but they're literally like, Kentucky's a must win. If he doesn't win, he's not the guy. Like, this is going to say a lot about him. And personally, like, if they are being serious, like, I just think that's asinine and I just don't argue with them because I'm like, dude, Kentucky's good. Like, it's going to be at home, a 7 o'clock game. Like, I don't know what the spread's going to be, but I'll, I'm sure they'll be favored by at least seven, if not more. And, uh, you know. If they, I, if they beat be- Mississippi State this weekend, they'll probably be in the top ten, and they'll be favored by two scores, I would say. Right. So, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, we'll get into a little bit of Kentucky very briefly, but – I do think that we match up with them well, but I still think that they are the better team and the better program. But I just don't want fans to just because they like, and this always happens and it's just college sports and life in general, but the better you do, people forget like, Oh, if we just win six games and go to a bowl game, I'll be happy. Well, then you give them one little inch and they take a freaking mile. And that's why they're like, Oh, well, hell we should have beat Pitt. Hell we, I got buddies that said we should have beat Florida and Ole Miss. I'm like, dude, we, we had a chance to beat Ole Miss. We shouldn't have beat them. I still feel like they were the better team throughout the night, you know. So it's like don't don't give you can't give these fans an inch because they take a mile and now they're expecting us to go on the on the road and win a night game at a, a top like you said a top fifteen team. So anyway, that's why I said before the Ole Miss game, like, hey guys, if we lose four in a row, that does not mean he's a bad coach. Like these teams are very good. Before we went into that. There was only two losses for all four teams. Now there is only three losses for all four teams. Kentucky had he didn't have any losses at the moment. Like these are the some of the best teams in the nation. So for a first year head coach to just compete with them is impressive. It is not need to be a must win. Now that doesn't mean I don't think we're going to win because I do think we're going to win, but I would not say must. Go ahead and uh, well, let me let me say I'm sorry. I just t- to wrap it up to recap. I'm a big intro, body paragraphs, and conclusion guy. 
So to conclude, I'm very, very happy with who you are because it's a sigh of relief to me that we finally have a coach that is an advantage on the sideline who I like, who I trust, and I think that he's going to do well here. That's why I'm happy, and I'm, and then he's proven me. I trust my eyes. I don't have to even look at the stats. I trust my eyes, and the guy's, the guy's a good coach, and I think he's doing it the right way, meaning I'm not saying like the Rick Barnes, like, oh, this guy doesn't cheat, and he does a program the right way. We all know I'm cool with paying some players if we have to, do you know whatever we need to do. And I'm saying I think he coaches up these guys the right way, meaning like he teaches them like, hey, yo, it's hard work. You earn your spot. We can't trust you on the field. You don't play well. You're not going to play. Like, little things like that. Like, I think those certain things are are way he does good. Anyways, what do you think about Kentucky? So, with Kentucky, you know, my connotation going going into this, because watching them a few times um, was, oh, they're, man, they're run dominant. They just run, 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 and that is it, and they never pass the ball. But actually looking at it, their yardage per game – is very even. It's like 190 to 196 in passing and run. So they're more even than I thought they would be. Um, I think our offense is definitely better than theirs, but their defense is good, and I did not really expect that. But then once I looked into it, I was like, oh, okay. They're like 21st in yards per game. They're, you know, 23rd in points per game. Um, So, like, they're a pretty good defense, which I didn't – I didn't – I guess I just like wasn't watching clearly enough. Um, But I mean, we've already played good defenses this year. Kentucky somehow has had close games that they shouldn't. Um, You know, they've had four games in which it was one score, one score games. They won like Missouri, Chattanooga, (laughs) Chattanooga, South Carolina, Carolina. Florida. They're all one score games. So it's always close. Um. And that's probably because their turnover margin is so bad. They're minus eight in turnover margin. Um, so for listeners, who, if you don't know what that means, that's your defensive turnovers minus your offensive turnovers. So they have eight more offensive turnovers than they do defense, and that is not good. We're plus three. We're doing great. And started out the year minus five. So we're plus three. We've been rolling with that. Um, so I'm liking it. I think the most important thing for us is to start fast because this Kentucky offense is not built to come back. It's not built to make up ground when they're down two scores. They just, it's not who they are. So starting fast, like we did versus Alabama and getting up a score, you know, a 14 to seven, maybe even a 21 to seven is really going to determine this game. I think Kentucky will try to spread the ball out more and make mistakes. um, And we'll be able to take advantage of that because I love the way our defense is playing, but that doesn't mean they've been stopping people during from scoring. A lot of teams have scored a lot of points on us. So it's, it's about creating the turnovers, um, making big plays at certain times. So but I'm very confident, like you said, I think we match up very well versus them. I think they are better at running than they are passing, not to say that they run or pass more. And our defense is better at stopping the run than it is stopping the pass. So I think it lines up great. 
Um, I would really love to like watch film on maybe some of um, Florida's defensive line just to kind of see like their front seven, what, what they have to them. Cause I haven't really paid attention that much is what I'm going to watch this Mississippi state game, really get an understanding of how they play. Are they, you know, aggressive? Are they trying to force the ball out? Um, are they pushing guys back? Because our number ones on defense, especially defensive line, I feel like are better and can compete with any defensive line in the, in the country. I think it's just depth issues. Like we said in the last podcast, when you mentioned Tyler Barron tapping his head and he couldn't come out and it's just like, sorry, bud, you just gotta be, you just gotta be tired. That's just, that's just what has to happen. But I'm very, very excited for this game. And I really, one more thing before I let you go. I really do not want people to say signature win because it is a death sentence. I hate that term signature win. I think it's dumb. I think you should just, win as many games as you can, it, it, it feels like, oh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt got his signature win versus Auburn, and then he's gone. You know, Butch Jones got his signature win versus South Carolina, and he's gone. You know, Coach Dooley got his signature win versus – I don't even remember, but, and then he's gone. I just don't – I don't like that term. I don't like the uh, – oh, now you've arrived. Now you should win a national championship because you have a signature win. I hate that. So if we win this game, great win, coach. Let's go win, you know, six games this year and seven or maybe eight next year. So we're better than we are worthier before. But in no way should we just, hey, we're going to win the SEC because we beat Kentucky. Yeah, I I love that you said to start fast. Um, even if we don't start fast, I don't think fans need to worry because we know that this team doesn't quit and they compete and they can put up points. But I completely agree that – so, yeah, good point because I think if we do jump up fast, if we have a start like we had against Pitt or, or Bama, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of tight fannies up there in Lexington, and it only it, it will not only be the people in the stands. So, uh, the games that I watched of them was I did um, – get to watch early on this year the the game against Missouri, which is why I was, like, kind of nervous again for the Missouri game because I was like, dang, they're competing with Kentucky. And I know Kentucky's, like, going to compete hard, have some big boys. Since Stoops has been there, like, they have some pretty good D-line, linebackers, uh, putting put some guys in the pros, uh, pretty good offensive linemen, run the ball. But that's what makes me feel confident is that I do have confidence that we'll be able to stop the run. And as long as our offensive line can hold up, I'm a little nervous about running the ball, but I, as long as our offensive line can hold up enough to where we can just run it just enough to keep them honest, I think that we'll be able to pass on them. Um, but I really think this game could be won with with some special teams, some field position, and defensively, like us making a stop or getting a turnover here and there. And, um, you know, when I watch them against Missouri and I'm like, geez, 35 to 28, 28 to 23 against Chattanooga and 16 to 10 against South Carolina. And I'm sitting here like we just absolutely mollywopped Missouri and, and South Carolina. I'm like, okay, that makes me feel pretty good. And then, yeah, I get it. They, they beat Florida. I watched that Florida game. I had, I actually took Florida on a second half bet because I thought they were just definitely going to come back. Um, but but it was like 
Florida didn't play well. And like I said, they just handled business defensively and they blocked a field goal. So it wasn't like that's a hell of a play, but it wasn't like they just controlled the line of scrimmage, drove down, and were just the better team. So, um, yeah, that's all I really have to say against Kentucky. Like, I'm really excited for it. I'm excited to see the, the spread because I want to see what Vegas says and kind of where they put us as a team. Um, but in no way do I think it's a must win. I, I do get and understand where my buddies and other fans are like, he needs to win one that maybe he's not expected to win. And I did say that going into the year, I thought we would win that we weren't expected the year to win. <laughs> but, but sadly for me, that was Missouri and South Carolina. Cause I was like, man, I don't know anything about these teams. Yeah. We weren't, so, we were definitely not expected to beat Missouri before the season started. And especially the way we did it too. So, yeah. No, there's no way. I mean, and yeah. everyone thought, you know, South Carolina game was going to be close because it was two new head coaches and the fact that we killed them both. People had us at the bottom of SEC. Like, people have to remember that. The right. bottom. Like, I know. like no – I mean, we were going back and forth with Vandy, you know, before the season started. So, like I said, for us to win five games his first year is – like, that is okay as a first-year head coach with 30-plus transfers. I still That's, said – I still season. said I, I still hold by that we'll we'll win seven games this year, meaning we'll win six and then we'll win the bowl game. I I really do I want a piece of that freaking ACC or freaking Pac twelve or Big Ten ass. I, I want, want us Big to Ten win. so bad because I want us, like, I would oh well Iowa and Penn State and Michigan and Michigan State and Ohio oh, State were all ranked were all good. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to play Ohio State. I mean, it would be cool to play them. I, I don't think they're as great as they have been in years past, but I think they're good. I'm telling you right now, if we could play Michigan or Michigan State or Penn State or Iowa, I oh, my gosh, I'm just – I'm getting fired up just thinking about it. I would so, love it. I, I mean, that freaking Illinois-Penn State game, it's like you scored 20 points in nine overtimes. Like, bro, give me a break. When we, played, when we played Iowa and then when we played Northwestern, in the bowl games. I was so excited as an offensive lineman. So I'm like, dude, these guys can't compete with the defensive ends. I've been trying to block all freaking year. Like, right. There's, there's no possible way. Like I was literally my redshirt junior year. I had to go against Dante Fowler, Shane Ray, um, uh, Richardson from Alabama, it literally just top tier. Oh, you also lineup. went against uh, Rashawn Evans. Um, you yeah, also Rashawn against, Evans. You also went against Floyd, uh, Leonard Floyd from Georgia. Yeah, Leonard Floyd. Like, all these it, it, guys. So I had to go. Like guys. I had to go against all those guys, and then we go to Iowa, and I this their starting defensive end is number ninety five, white dude, 6'3", 290 pounds, and I was like, thank you. I love this. Please keep him out here the whole game because what he's trying to do is strong arm me. And I was like, that's what I'm good at. I don't even feel like I'm the most athletic person out there, but I was strong. I was always strong. Always had a good grip. Always had nice bench press. Like I loved it. And I dominated buddy the entire game. It was the easiest. It was one of the most fun games I had. We scored a ton of points in he couldn't do crap versus me because, dude, it, the drop-off was just incredible. I mean, just yeah. ridiculous. So yeah. I love the way Big Ten football plays football, which is just, hey, 90s 
80s football and no athletes out there, just a bunch of corn-fed dudes. Bring it, bring it on. Bring it on all day, all day. All right, let's wrap this up. I, I don't want to, since we're kind of almost at that hour mark, we want to keep it an hour. You just tell your big orange juice story, and I'll save one of mine for another time because this one, yours is going to be pretty good. Okay, yeah. So I told Reed before we did the podcast what, what I was going to say. So he knows. Um, and fair warning here, I'm going to cuss as I'm telling the story because I do believe that it makes it better uh, because I'm going to be reiterating what the other guys were saying. Um. So this was probably my fourth or fifth year. I was either redshirt junior or senior. Um, and we had a freshman there. He ended up leaving the team, so I don't even really remember his name. Um, was he scholarship? Walk he was on a scholarship guy. Yeah. But uh, we also have a T in our practice facility locker room. So T is right when you walk in, you have to pass by it to get to every locker. And we had a rule. You can't step on the tee. That's just how it is. If you did, you had push-ups, guaranteed. We even made parents of recruits do push-ups. If they were taking a tour and st stepped on it, coaches, everyone to hold them accountable. Hey, I need 10. Like, there's no getting away from it. You knew the rules. What if it was like a mom that was obviously wasn't in good shape? Um, then the dad would pull – would have to do them for her. Like okay. it was just, it was just how, what, like if mom couldn't do it, it's like, all right, dad, like you got to step up for mom, do them for her. Jeez. I don't think either of my parents can do it. We might've been in trouble. <laughs> so, um, big rule. We always, we always did. Uh, one of th this freshman decides to take a Snapchat video of himself, a little selfie video. He's dancing across a locker room is like just, Dancing, 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 like holding it up so you can see the T below him as he's dancing across the T. Like nothing about it. Like it, it was almost, it almost seemed purposeful. Like, hey, I'm dancing on the T. Even though he's on the team, it was like, what are you doing? So he puts it on his story. I mean, not an hour later, Jason Crew, for those who remember, is a tight end slash wide receiver, great guy. Built, I mean, and this, I mean, a Greek god. Like, Buddy was 6'4", 6'5", 250 pounds, shredded. And um believe he's still, he's still with the Buffalo Bills, I, I'm pretty sure. And just great dude. Anyways, Jason Kroom walks up to him and straight up is like, where are my push-ups? I need those push-ups. You can't be dancing on the tee like that. That's, that is fucking disrespectful and the kid was like i'm i'm not doing push-ups like what you can't talk to me like that jason cream's like yes i can you're doing damn push-ups i i can't have you dance on the tee like no and the guy's like i'm a grown man like you can't tell me what to do i'm not doing any push-ups and jason was like if you don't do push-ups i'm gonna knock your ass out right now so you better do some damn push-ups. And the kid is like, I'm not doing any push-ups. I don't care what you say. So Jason Kroom takes a step back. Kid's sitting in his locker. So Jason's standing in front of his locker. Jason Kroom takes a step back, puts his hands up. He's like, all right, stand up, motherfucker. We're fighting. Like, let's go right now. And 
kid stands up. He's like, really? You want to do this? As soon as he stands up, Jason comes just pop, pop, left, right, right in the freaking eye slash nose area. Hits him. Kid falls back into his locker, starts grabbing his nose. He's bleeding. He's got a black eye. Other guys in the locker room grab Kroon. They're like, hey, just chill out. Buddy immediately goes to the training room, gets looked at and everything like that. Jason Kroon never got in trouble. Nothing ever happened from it because that's exactly what it should have happened. And I remember I remember uh, hearing it in the distance, didn't see it, but then got to watch uh, security footage of it later. And it was amazing to see Kroon just like back up, put his hands up, be like, come on, stand up. He stood up. He jab, swing with the right, hits him straight in the face, knocks him back into his locker. And he's like, that's what you fucking get. For, don't ever step on the tee like that again. Kid didn't step on the tee, and he transferred at the end of the year. So, <laughs> I, I would love to find out who that was. Great story, by the way. When you were kind of telling me about this earlier, I was like, dang, I haven't heard that. But I, I love that. I have a newfound respect for, for Kroom, for Jason Kroom. Like, I love that. Like, that's the crap that we have to need or that we need. And, um, you know, you don't have to necessarily haul off and hit somebody in the face. But, like, these younger guys and these younger kids, and I'll be honest, like, when I was in Memphis, like, I was respectful to the older players and stuff like that. And maybe if there's a guy my, my age that would maybe have said something to me, I'd been like, no, nah, like, I, you want to play in those games. I would respect the team rules. Like, I'm not going to walk on the tee. But – I get like some of these, like some of these kids just have attitudes. Like they don't respect certain things. And like that guy's like, I'm a girl, man. I'll do it. Like, no, you're a 17 year old. Like, you know, we've been here, we've built something like you're going to fall by the rules or get out. So I love that. I love that he did it. That's hilarious. I love that you guys pulled the camera footage. I That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So I bet people are standing around watching that, like cracking up. Oh yeah. 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 Cause I mean, we, you know, it is in a locker room. So People are getting naked. So sometimes it seems, oh, this is weird. But it is for security reasons because people will steal stuff from lockers. Guys on the team, um, multiple people that come into the locker room because they always take recruits and their families on tours. They take freaking boosters on tours through those locker rooms. Like you never know who's going to be in there throughout the day, like when we're not practicing or anything like that. So you got to have cameras in there just for safety. But yeah, it was it was hilarious. I love Kroon for doing it. I think, like you said, there are a lot of people that don't like they act and do things and you know portray themselves as if no one is ever going to hit them, no one is ever going to step up and say something to them, and that's just the way they act. And it only takes one. To really hit you in the face and be like, oh, like a dude will fight me over this. And you have to understand that and respect people in a way. And sometimes I feel like there are certain people that need that in their life. They need someone to come up to them and be like, listen, if you keep acting the way you are, we're going to fight. And you know what? You might win it, but we're going to fight. And if you do it again, we're going to fight again. And if I lose again, that's fine. But I'm not going to let you do that without having a fight. So right. I loved it. I love that Kroon did it. 
I was super pumped up. I mean, I freaking like daffed him up. I was like, you're the first, you're the best. I love the fact that you just what, what year were you guys? Were you guys the same year? No, he was younger than me. Um I he I he was either a year or two. I can't remember. <laughs> hey, I just I just thought of something. I'll say this quick. So I remember when I transferred back from Memphis, it was my first year at UT, and I'm sitting in that uh, class. It's like some geography or geology or some whatever, and I'm sitting in there, and all of a sudden – Some rocks here for come, jocks. Here, here comes all the uh, – yeah, I don't know. It might have been rocks for jocks. And here comes all the football players. Well, first off, here comes Pick Howard. And I'm like, all right. And so he actually sat next to me, nice guy, whatever. But he's a lot smaller than this next individual that walked in. And here comes Kroom. And I'm like, who the is this guy? <laughs> I mean, like you said, like I dream about having a body like that. Like, dude is just, I mean, it was he was huge. And I was like, I was I was just looking at his calves. And I'm like, bro, this guy's calves are the size of my chest. Like, what the heck? <laughs> and so, anyways, to finish the story, here comes you. And right when we see each other, we start like cracking up and laughing and being loud. And you're like, hey, come sit up here with us. And you're sitting up there, I think Marcus Jackson, wasn't he in lineman? One yep. of your buddy. So I think he was in that class, a couple other guys. And I was like, yo, like, I know that's Pick Howard, but like, who the hell is this guy? And you're like, oh, that's Kroom. I'm like, is he an outside linebacker defense? And you're like, no, nah, he's like a receiver. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, was like, are, I was like, are you serious? Anyways, it was funny because. And the fact that you and I and a couple of those guys were sitting in the back of the class was not good for that teacher. I think you and I both ended up dropping that class because we wanted to take it with another teacher. But I, I think I told this on the pod. <laughs> that teacher, there was like three or four minutes to go in class. And he was still talking. And like we would start putting our notebooks up and unzip the backpack. And he was like, all right, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't worry, everybody getting to go. We still got a few minutes of class. And so when he said that, you and I just being little turds, we just take our backpacks and start like shaking them. And like, you're like, we're like aggressively putting our backpacks or our, our binders in the backpack, pulling it out, putting it back in, putting it back out. We're just like being so loud. And just I was like, like, zip, 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 yeah, zip, yeah. zip, zip, zip. <laughs> that was hilarious. It, it, that that whole, that semester would have been a nightmare for that teacher. We would have gotten in so much trouble. But like I said, we both ended up dropping it because of it, the guy. The teacher was just a lame, and we went and took it with an easier professor. So oh, being a nineteen-year-old idiot, seriously. Hey, great pod, man. I enjoyed. Oh yeah, I want to get a my new sweatshirt. Ooh, on the, isn't that swaggy? That is nice. I know. I like it. I just like the old school rifleman. But anyways, uh, I hate that I didn't get to see you this weekend when you're in town. You're, you know, 30 minutes west out there in West Knoxville. And uh, but y'all have a good time at the wedding. Will do. Will do. Always a great one. Uh, appreciate you guys watching, listening. Um, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, subscribe, turn that notification bell on if you like what we're talking about. So you can get, you know, updated when we put new stuff out every Wednesday at uh, 12 Eastern, unless, you know, I struggle with editing and I uh, can't put the YouTube out on time. But, um, and if you're listening, please rate and review on all your podcast platforms, follow us uh, and follow us on social media. I'm at Kyler Kerbison, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at rbacon26 on Twitter for read, um, at Believe in Tennessee for our main account. 
Uh, also, if you know you're looking to ask us any questions or want us, any topics we want to talk about, reach out. Uh, we have an email, uh, believe in Tennessee football at gmail.com, a phone number, 865-322-9232. Um, so I again just appreciate all the support. You guys are awesome. Uh, please keep it up. Tell all your friends and family what we got going on in the coming as always, go balls. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.